So today we're talking about something that will help you be led by God, and y'all really don't even know where I'm going besides being led by God. Yay! Uh, and, but we put a better way to be led by God, which is exactly what the Lord said to me. Uh, some years ago, the Lord spoke to me very directly. And uh, let's turn, let's go to John 5, 19. And uh, buddy, if you'll get John 5, 19, and if you'll get... Uh, John 12, 49. So you can put that in the comments. John 5, 19 and John 12, 49. And go ahead and read 5, 19 first. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Yeah. So one of the things that you see is that Jesus uh, limited himself on purpose. He limited himself to not do anything but what he saw the Father doing. In other words, he said, I'm not going to, I've made this the point. I can do nothing. I can do nothing but what I see the Father doing, right? And you see that in John 5, 19. And he put those limits on himself. And then in uh, John twelve forty nine, I believe it says something similar about speaking. Mm-hmm. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. So what we see is he's speaking historically here. I have not spoken unless the Father gave me the words. So we see from these two passages that you know, even his speaking goes back to John five nineteen, where he did not allow himself to even speak, or he did nothing. He didn't even allow himself to speak unless he had heard it from the Father. And so years ago, I got a hold of that, and it really stuck out to me. And I started, I started practicing that, and I started going after the Lord. Um, the Lord led me to be led by him, the importance of being led by him. Um, you know, he says... He says that uh, if you're willing and obedient, you'll what? Eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient. But first of all, you have to be willing to something, and you have to be obedient to something. And so how can you eat the good of the land if you're not willing and obedient? How can you be willing and obedient if you've not heard, right? If If you've not been led by God. And so I started to realize, like, I were called to eat the good land, have an abundance for every good work, but that means I need to be willing and obedient, which means I need to be obedient to something. In other words, I need to, my relationship with God needs to be at the place where I can hear from him, and apparently, if I'm going to follow the leadership of Jesus, it needs to be on a regular basis, right? It needs to be quite often, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't need to be going through life and not hearing from him, not being led by him. I need to learn how to be led by him. And so I started, you know, seeking to be led by him. And I would say for a while, uh, for quite a while, this was probably around the same time as the story yesterday, probably 2000, 2001 is when this started. And I just, you know, I just wouldn't move. If I hadn't heard from him, I would I would wait until I heard from him. And and let me tell you, it went great. Now, I'm going to give you something. What I'm talking about right now is right, but there's a better way. And so don't just listen to the front portion of this. 
and not listen to the latter part of the story, mm -hmm. okay? And because if you do, your life is going to be limited. So, and, and, but I just, I got a hold of these truths alone, but I needed another element. I needed a, another element that added a, a, a better way to be led by him yeah. better. And what I was doing was, I was basically, if you could kind of picture it, it was like, take one step, doom, doom, okay. And then I was like, take one, another step, doom, doom, all right, turn left, you know, uh, okay, mm -hmm. take one step, you know. And so my path was very wooden, like mm -hmm. there, there was no flow to it. Yeah. And in our leading, there's a flow, right? God wants us, you can put that in the comments, please, everybody put it in the comments, say, God wants our life to have a flow of leading, right? It's not supposed to be wooden. It's not supposed to be rigid. It's not supposed to be legalistic. It's supposed to be a flow of fellowship, a flow of leading, right? Mm -hmm. And so God wants us to have a flow in our leading. And so at this time, I was working uh, for my dad's company, and I was traveling. And if uh, Pastor John's uh, online, this is when I was traveling up to uh, Columbus, Indiana. I had a big customer up there. I would fly up there, generally land in Louisville, get a rental car, drive up to Columbus, uh, Indiana. And I'd, I'd generally fly up the night before and stay in a hotel uh, and then do my work the next day, fly home that next night. Or I would fly up in the morning, do my work all day, stay in the hotel, get up the next day, and, and fly back. And uh, so one of the things that I was sitting there, and I was really seeking after God. I was so hungry for the things of God. And I had been applying this. Every step was led by God for quite some time. I'd been applying it, applying it, applying it, applying it. And guess what? The blessings had started to work. Like, it, I mean, even though this was not the best way, it was better than anything else I'd ever done, and it's better than what most people ever experience because I had just determined I'm not doing anything unless you show me to do it. Yeah. But it, but it did limit my flow. It limited that flow, uh, and and it was it was great, but not full. Mm -hmm. And this is many times we can be experiencing good things and even great things. But God wants us to be full, right? And, and this is why he talked to me. So I'm in the hotel room that night. I get to the hotel, and I'm sitting there, and I'm praying. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, which that's the great thing about praying in the Holy Ghost, is if I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, it's a constant leading in my prayer, right? My prayer is exactly what God would say, because we're praying out the mysteries of God. We're praying the perfect will of God. We see that in Romans chapter 8 where we're praying out these yeah. things in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Praying in my Holy Ghost prayer language, I'm praying out this will of God. And so one of the things that happened was I'm sitting there and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit and I'm, and I'm you know just in the hotel room, just me and him, having a great moment with the Lord. Um, I wouldn't say that it was like the most monumental moment ever. It just felt very normal to me. But what I did not know is that he was about to drop something on me that would change my life forever. And he was about to show me something and speak something to me. 
And uh, so my prayer, after I prayed in the Spirit, I'm seeking His will. And and I had prayed several questions out, and they went kind of like this, like, all right, Lord, what do, you, what do I need to do next? You know, how should I think about this? Uh, where should I go? You know, I'm, I'm asking these types of questions. And the Lord stops me, and the Lord's like, time out. Hold, hold on a second. I said, okay. He's, he said, uh, he said, repeat your questions and listen to them. And I went, all right. And so I said, you know, what should I, and, and here's how, when I said them, it's like the Holy Ghost highlight. What should I do next? Where should I go? What's the next thing I should do, right? And it's like, as I repeated them in my head, that stood out to me, that I and he said, he said, the questions that you're asking, and what, I'm, what I was really trying to accomplish is, I want to hear exactly what you say, nothing else but what you say. I want to I wanna only do what you do, only say what you say. I want to be like Jesus, and I made this a principle. I made it a priority in my life, and uh, so I'm seeking that. But the Lord says this. He says, listen to your questions, and I, he said, there's a lot of I in there. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not, I mean, and I'm thinking subconsciously or, you know, consciously to myself, I'm thinking, uh, it's not a bad question. You know, it just, and I don't even know really where he's going with this on the I part. The, and, and this is it. And I, I would say that even sitting right here right now, I'm getting even more revelation of it, even though it was like 20 wow. years ago, is what he was saying is you are involved in your step more than you think you are, right? You are involved. It's you trying to be actually legalistic about every step you take, and it's good, but it's not the best. It's not the best. And that's what he said to me next. He said, he said what you're asking is a great question, and, I, and then he said this statement. He said, I wish more people would ask me the questions that you're asking me. In other words, reach out on a regular basis and ask questions and seek me. He said, I wish more you know, of, my, of my people would ask me those questions. Uh, so that's the first thing to learn from what he said. Um, num- number one, you're more involved in your leading than what you think you are. Two, I wish more people would ask me those questions, though. So that tells me the majority of the church is not seeking the Lord as much as they should on each step. They're not seeking the Lord. And so, number one, I was more involved. Number two, I wish, though, it's a good question, and I wish more people would ask me those questions. So that that shows us that we could change our heart in how we approach the Lord, and not just out there... We're not just flowing with life, right, with, with a corrupted world. We're not just flowing in a corrupted world. We're meant to flow by the Spirit. And so then what he said was he said, I, he said but I, I'm going to show you a better, let me show you a better way. And that's how he said it to me. He said, I wish more people would ask me those questions. It's a good way, but let me show you a better way. And I was like, okay good glory to God, you know, show me a better way. Like if that, because I thought it was going pretty good. Like I wasn't having, you know, some major faults, 
But obviously, had I continued on that path, it would have limited me. And so he's talking about me being led by God and taking action on what he said. He said, I'm going to show you a better way. And I said, okay. He, and this is the statement. He said, now I'm going to say this. At that time, there was one, I, I, there, I didn't have a revelation of something, the difference between fellowship and relationship. I didn't understand that revelation yet. So just so that you know, um, he he gave it to me in the way that I could understand it, all right? And he gave it to me in, in the language that I was using then. But I knew, I knew in my spirit exactly what he meant. And so I'm going to give it to you that way so it's not confusing. confusing. But one of the things was, uh, and just to give you this difference and this revelation, uh, just because you have a relationship with someone doesn't mean that you have fellowship with someone, right? Yeah. So, and I... I, I teach this in the way of, you know, on my birth certificate, there's a space for father, and my dad's name would be in that space. But just because he's, I'm in a relationship with him as son and father does not mean that we have fellowship together, that we're hanging out. And many people have that type of relationship with God. All right, you're my father and I'm going to heaven, but when's the last time we really, really hung out together, right? When's the last time we, we spent time together? And so I, you can have a relationship, but no fellowship, right? Uh, you can't have a fellowship, an intimate fellowship, and have no relationship really in that way. Uh, but you can have a relationship with no intimate fellowship. And so what he said to me that day, I didn't have that revelation then. Um, I, I might could have understood it, but I didn't have it. So he said, that day he said, if you'll get your relationship right with me, uh, he said, I'll show you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, right? And, you can, and then you can flow with me, and your steps won't be wooden and rigid It'll be a flow. And so I knew um, at that moment, at that moment, what he was saying to me, and I would say it this way today is, if you'll get your fellowship right with me. In other words, if you'll hang out with me as my child, I will show you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I'll let you know. And um, so one of the things right in that moment I had, and this is something I think that is really missing in at least the American church and most people's relationship with God is from that statement, I had a great, I had a great fellowship with God. And more than that, I had a great trust in that fellowship. I knew that if I needed to know something, if I keep my fellowship right, I'll know what I need to know when I need to know it. And I had such, I, you know, out of that, I'm realizing it right now that this is part of the reason why people don't have confidence in it. I realized when he spoke that to me, I took a confidence in my fellowship that has helped me so much for all these years. And that's part of the reason why I want to share this today is because I see people tripping over these little things. They don't have confidence in their fellowship with God. Yeah. They don't have confidence that they'll that God will tell them what they need to know. I had a word from the Lord saying that. Well, and he shows us that. He, he says, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. 
So in, that means that everything that we do is generated where? In him. And then, of course, in him we live and move and have our being. So, in other words, in him, he's, he tells us that in Scripture, but most people don't have that confidence. They, they have more of a confidence that they'll miss it than they have a confidence that, the, that God will tell them what they need when they need to know it. So from that day forward, that, that little area was gone for me. I had, I had no problem. I had no problem from that day uh, actually having a confidence that God would tell me that. Um, this is what you see, and I'm, I'll go into more of this in a second, but this is what you see when Brother Hagen was out on the road traveling, and one of the family members, a young girl, had been lost, right? And she, um, all of a sudden, she's missing. She didn't get off the bus where she needed to get off the bus. They don't, it was way before cell phones and pagers and everything else, and uh, GPS <laughs> tracking. And um, this is long before that. And they don't know where she is. And she's a minor, if I remember correctly. She's a minor. She was traveling on a bus, and, and, she, and she got lost. They don't know where she is. They don't know if she's been kidnapped, attacked. They don't know what is wrong. And they went to Brother Hagen and told him about it. And, he, and instantly, instantly he said, he said, she's okay. There's nothing wrong with her. She probably just got on the wrong bus. And he made this statement. He said, the reason I know this is, uh, he said, God would have told me. Now, when I read that, I knew, I knew instantly and exactly what he was talking about, and he went on because he had a confidence in his fellowship with God, yeah. and that's what he goes on to say. Had she had a problem, the Lord, because I'm here, the Lord would have alerted me because yeah. I would have needed to minister over this item. And in this way, he hadn't said one thing to me, and I have such a confidence in my fellowship. I know from what he didn't say, she's fine, yeah. right? And I've experienced this over time. And uh, so I learned that that day I gained a confidence in fellowship. And that's what gave me the ability to be patient on things because I would know that if I needed to do something, he'd tell me. If I needed to avoid something, he would tell me. If I needed to take action, he would tell me. And otherwise, I can just sit in him and worship him. But most people do not have that confidence in that fellowship, right? All right, so that right there is a teaching on its own, just confidence in the fellowship. Um, so then he said, and you're going back to what he said, if you will get your, your fellowship right with me or your relationship rights, what he, the exact word he told me that day, but I knew what it meant was fellowship, um, the intimate fellowship. He said, I will show you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And now later on, I found the scriptures, you know, I can do it. Nothing apart from him. In him I live and move and have, have our being. Yeah. Um, so uh, later on, those scriptures were connected, but I knew from that day, from what he spoke to me and the peace that he gave me, that it was true. Now, the great thing about this that he helped me with was we all have an idea of what fellowship is. We have our own idea, but think about this. Let's say that I had a great relationship with my dad, a great fellowship with my dad, I would have one perspective of fellowship. 
but let's say that you didn't have a great fellowship with your dad, then then your idea of fellowship looks totally different. You know, it looks totally different because that was what you grew up with. That was your normal. And we don't need to live according to the normal of the world that the world has taught us. We need, good or bad, we need to live according to the normal of God. And so in that moment, I asked one of the best questions I could ever ask in my life. Is like, okay, Lord, I think I know what fellowship is, but what is fellowship to you? <laughs> what is fellowship to you? Because I don't want to make an assumption, and uh, I don't want to make an assumption on what fellowship is. Uh, but let let's make sure that I got this right, you know. And so he took me to he took me to three scriptures. And as soon as I ask him that question, I'm in the hotel room. Um, I might have been. I asked the question in the hotel room. I might have been on the plane back when he gave me the three scriptures. Uh, I believe it was the same trip, and he and he just out of the blue gives me three scriptures. Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what's written there? <laughs> you know, I like I, and so I went to the three scriptures, and one of the things that I found, I believe, uh, one was. What is the verse where it says they worship him in spirit and truth? It's John like 424, 424. 424. And then the other one was like John 1. Um, I think it was John 1, the first part of John 1 where it says um, the word became flesh. And uh, so then you then I saw in Revelation where John, it's funny how it seems like they were all connected to John. Some the Pay attention to there. Mm -hmm. And then John uh, in Revelation said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, right? And and then he says, uh, he gave me, he gave me, that's what, that's what he gave me. And then there were three scriptures, and they were the spirit worshiping in spirit and in truth, and the and the scripture in Revelation went together. The one was on the word, and one was on prayer, and one was on worship. And as I studied worship, I landed back at John 4.24 to make the fourth scripture. Mm -hmm. But what he did was he led me to three different scriptures, and each one of them involved the motion of the Holy Spirit. The Holy And put this in the comments. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in proper fellowship. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in proper fellowship, right? And without the Holy Spirit, we can't have proper fellowship. That's why God commands us to have the flow of the Holy Ghost and why the devil fights it so much. It's because it's hard to have proper fellowship. And what, what I saw in each one of the verses is three elements at the core of proper fellowship. And you can put these down. Three elements at the core of proper fellowship and the first one is spirit-led worship, spirit-led prayer, and spirit-led word. Um, I think I did uh, prayer, word, and worship was the order, although you don't have to have, I don't believe you have to have these direct in direct order, but it was spirit-led prayer, spirit-led word, and spirit-led worship, right? And he said, this is proper fellowship where you go into prayer and you don't just pray something, 
You let my spirit lead you in prayer. You go into the word and you don't just read it. You allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you and teach you in the word. And then uh, you go into worship. And, it, and it's not just what you think, but you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into that worship. And as I went on in that worship, one of the things that really helped me get into that place where I was truly in true worship and not just in my brain was I would just imagine myself in the throne room and in the throne room of God in heaven, what am I going to do? I'm going to hit my face and be in awe of God and, and you start meditating on that, you can't help but start worshiping him, right? Yeah. And so the three elements of, of proper fellowship, intimate fellowship, is spirit-led word, spirit-led prayer, and spirit-led worship. Now, I'll add one other one because I, those stand alone, but there's something that can be overlooked and that is that you apply those three also in corporate worship. We know that. In other words, you shouldn't just have these three alone 100% of the time and never have it in a corporate set, corporate mm-hmm. fellowship as well because he's commanded that. So when I teach proper fellowship today, uh, I'll teach those three things at the core, but your corporate fellowship is also just as important because you'll receive things there that you don't receive by yourself and can't receive by yourself, and you'll receive things in your private fellowship you can't receive any other place as well. You need both corporate and private fellowship, right? And so what he was saying is, if I will keep my fellowship where it needs to be, in spirit-led word, spirit-led prayer, spirit-led worship, then he will let me know what I need, when I need, and how I need it. Now, if I don't keep it there, then there's a chance that I can miss it, and I can miss the word that God was telling me. But if I abide in him, he will abide in me, right? If I'm in him, which I can't be in him properly without spirit-led word, worship, and prayer. I can't be in him properly and without those things, and allowing the Holy Spirit to do that. And then if I'll do that, he'll show me in him I live. I have life to the full, the Zoe life of God, life, full life in every area of life. I'll move, I'll know what to do, how to do it, and be empowered to get there and avoid the traps along the way. And I'll have my being, anything that needs to come into being in my life and ministry, I'll have those things. So the Lord will show me in that intimate fellowship everything I need to do. So what that does is it takes away the need for me to process everything in my logical brain. It takes away the need for me to know everything. It take, I can lean on him knowing that I don't need to know everything. He knows everything because I have confidence in our fellowship. I just need to stay in fellowship and make sure my heart's not hardened and not in bias, right? And, and now, he did show me later on the importance of not being biased 
And that was a huge revelation in itself. So if I was in fellowship with God, but I was biased on an item like, I'm never going to go do that. It's going to be hard for me to hear him say, go do that, if I think I'm never going to go do that. So I need to get rid of bias as well. So if I'll get in fellowship, and you put these, uh, get in proper fellowship, a better way to be led, stay in fellowship, keep my keep my spiritual ears open and remove all bias, then I'll be where I need to be. Stay in fellowship, keep my spiritual ears always open to hear from him. No matter what I'm, I don't need to hear from him just in the prayer closet and then remove all bias. I, I, I'll, I can be walking down the supermarket and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Lord, speak to me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Buddy and I were here. We had gotten done with the broadcast. There's a place we went to go eat. I never go eat there. I, I never even think of I just don't think about that place. I'm in the middle of the broadcast. We're in fellowship. I'm actually ministering. I'm talking to people in the middle of the broadcast, and the Lord says, go eat there after you're done. And then I forgot about it. I didn't think about it. When we moved, when we got done with the broadcast, I asked Buddy, I was like, where are we going? And, and then if you remember in the car, I went, Oh, oh, I know where we're going. Go here. And and then we went there, and I ran into somebody I never run into, and I needed to. It was timely that I ran into them, right? That's the way the Lord worked. So he ordered my steps, and now it's not wooden, and it's not rigid. There's a flow of it. And so I'll talk more about the flow in just a second, but I want to pause for a second and let everything I just said sink in. (laughs) And see what y'all are saying. Um, I guess I'm I'm trying not to get too much in my head about it because it's literally the opposite of what you're you're saying. That's the opposite of what you need to do. You need to trust in fellowship and not not get in your head and point yes. point and everything. I am curious though the balance of um, asking the Lord for th- asking Him about things like how you mentioned at the beginning where you, you yeah. didn't need to do that in a wooden way. But the reason I'm asking is because I, I, I think there are times where in the past I've had questions come up or I've had moments where I've needed the Lord's help and I've just kind of thought like, well, I mean, he knows, like obviously he knows everything. Like I don't necessarily yeah. need to ask, but I haven't necessarily also been applying my faith in that moment. So it's just kind of like... Where's that line of of actually making sure you're applying faith to ask things if you need to or receive in a moment when you need to, that type of thing? Does that make sense? Well, think about this. The more that you stay in fellowship, the less you're going to have to ask because you're in fellowship, you've already received it, and you're already praying those things out. The number one thing I think that you can do in fellowship is in your prayer time, in the prayer portion of it is, Pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, if you if you don't pray in the Holy Ghost a lot, you are missing out because that's going to be the perfect prayer. In, in other words, doesn't this this is another confidence? Doesn't the Lord know when you need to be somewhere? Mm-hmm. Doesn't He know when you need to do something? Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't okay. He don't, doesn't He know all of that stuff? And and. If you have to process something to arrive at that point, doesn't he know how to calculate how far back you he needs to start talking to you about that? <laughs> yeah. 
So why is it we don't trust him to do that? But And so what he would do is if you're spending time in fellowship, you'll be praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll be praying those things out without even knowing about it in your mind. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? So, But the question is, if we're not in fellowship and we're not praying those things out, then when we need it, they won't be in place. So yeah. there won't be a, a flow to it. Yeah. It'll be like, oh, gosh, i got to fix this. <laughs> you know. And even right now, you're trying to figure out how it all works instead of trusting the flow of his fellowship. And the reason why people do that, including you and including me, the reason why people do that is they've never had any confidence in their fellowship. They, they've had confidence in their sin. They've had confidence in their self-righteousness. They've had confidence yeah. in their natural giftings. But they haven't had confidence in the Lord's ability in fellowship to live and move and have their yeah. being. Yeah. And this is a problem, obviously, and there's a broken flow of those things. Yeah. So this, I didn't realize then, like, you know, how I started out today, he, he was about to tell me something that would change my life forever, and I didn't realize how big it was. I, I really didn't even realize how big it was till today. You know, as I'm sitting here telling the story, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've carried this confidence of fellowship for 20 years and wonder why other people didn't have it. You know, and yeah. praise God, because now I'll be able to help them see that and gather gather that confidence. But but then he does tell us to ask for things. You know, you have not because you ask not. We talked about that the other day. What do you ask for? And a lot of times what you ask for is the word. But other things he tells us to ask for, he says, ask for wisdom, right? So what is wisdom? Wisdom is a word, right? It's a word. So if you need wisdom, if you recognize I don't have wisdom on something, ask him for it. Lord, I ask you for this wisdom. But then don't flip out if he doesn't answer you right away. If you ask him for it, he knows when you need it. He knows how you need it. He may have to get another revelation to you to get that wisdom to you. So you're you're sitting there like, I need the answer to this, this, this. I need this. I need this now. I need this now. But you don't realize you can't receive his answer until you have a revelation on something else. So he'll start talking to you about something totally different. And you're like, that's not what I asked you for. You know, we our flesh and our logic's like fighting the flow of the Holy Spirit because we won't relax in the confidence of our fellowship. Yeah. You see? And so we need to learn to relax in him and rest in him. I ask him for wisdom. He's going to give it to me because he, he made a promise. I'm not going to be double-minded like I'm asking you for wisdom, but now I'm not sure if you're going to get it to me. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's like Stop it, you know, just like rest. He knows what, when, how. He knows even how to prompt you when to ask that question. Yeah. The Holy Ghost will go, you need to ask the Lord that question. You need, <laughs> hey, you need to ask the Lord that question. Hey, 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 hey. Ask the Lord that question and, and he'll help you. Yeah. And then if you don't listen to it, he'll he'll wake me up in the yeah. middle of the night and, like, and, and he'll be like, hey, Mark needs to ask me this. Okay, I'll tell her in the morning. <laughs> And then I'll come up and I'll say, hey, by the way, uh, you need to talk to the Lord about this. Yeah, It reminds me of a story that a minister told me recently where his wife uh, had this necklace that she loved so much. And um, she was, one day when she was wearing it, the Lord prompted her, give this necklace to this lady. Yeah. So she did it and everything. And she had had the necklace for eight months. Yeah. So on the timeline, she's that for eight months. She didn't know, but that woman 
had asked that morning, the other woman asked that morning, God, I just basically something to the extent of, I really, I really want you to, to show me you love me today. Like, I just, I really need you. I need your love. Like, help me, show me you yeah. love me, something like that. She asked that question. This minister's wife found out afterwards. But the thing that really stood out to me in this story, in this example, is the Lord prompted, the Lord had this whole situation arranged eight months before yes. she yeah. even asked. So the yeah. Lord get, gets the, this necklace in someone's hands, and then eight months later, this the other woman says, I want something. She gives it to her. But but what it did in that moment, it's kind of like what you're talking about now, is it, for me, it showed me it, it's the power is not so much in me asking. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. so much in, like, like, you know, if I don't ask the right time, if I don't ask the right way, like, she hadn't even asked That's all work. See, that's the wooden, rigid steps. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? It's all, you're getting into works there. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that that was just it. I hope yeah. that made sense. I know I'm talking about like multiple people without using names, but yeah. um, it, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, like earlier today, uh, Kevin Nowicki and I were having a conversation, <coughs> and and I think most people on here know that you know the Lord prompted me to give him that motorcycle this past Sunday, and um, you know I think I said this the other day, but maybe I don't remember where I said it, but you know. Let me just address this first. Why would you let people know what you gave? Like, doesn't the Bible say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Yes, it does. And as much as I can follow that, I will. The the issue is when Kevin comes up to church on my motorcycle, people are going to know, you know, and they're going to be aware of it very quickly. (laughs) And so I'm not going to be able to hide that uh, from people. The other thing is, um, you know, it was... Number one, it also developed into a thing to help teach people what to do. Ultimately, in Acts, that's what you see as well. How do we know that Ananias and Sapphira, although the end was not good, um, how do we know that they actually sold a piece of land? Because it was recorded. It was seen. You know, Uh, So not everything's going to be unseen in that way. But it was a way for me as a leader to model the type of giving that we should be have in our heart, right? So it was that. And it was a teachable moment in that way as well. Uh, And when I did it, it excited everybody's faith. Everybody's faith was excited in that moment, right? Um, So it encouraged people. and And those are reasons why. And I taught, and the number one reason is I talked to the Lord and asked him for wisdom on that. <coughs> Should I do this privately? He said, no, I want you to do it on Sunday morning. I want people to see. I want them to see what, what this giving looks like, you know. And uh, so anyway, um, we we were talking about, and the reason I say that is because I don't know if everybody's heard those reasons, but one of the things is that, in giving that motorcycle, he and I were talking about this this weekend, and Joni said, "Yeah, I did talking about excited, excited stuff." And um, Amen, Michelle, you said that yesterday about at the end. I want a relationship with God. The biggest thing about being on fire with God uh, and finding that fire relationship with God is you have to get hungry for those things, and God will fill you. And you have to get around people that are hungry. 
If you're not around people that are on fire, and I mean on fire, yeah. uh, it's so it takes so much more time to catch it. But if you get around, think about that. If you surround uh, even a wet piece of wood with sticks that are on fire, it'll dry out and catch, and it does it that much quicker. So that's the answer to your question. But so then one of the things that you see about that motorcycle, and I was telling Kevin this is, because he's explained to me before, man, Pastor, I used to have a motorcycle. I really would like one again. And now he could have had two approaches during that, but what I want you to see is this, that even when Kevin had no idea that God was working on that, God was working on that. Yeah. You, you see what yeah. I mean? Uh, because the process of him getting that motorcycle into his hands didn't just start on Sunday, yeah. and it didn't start a week ago when he told me. Yeah. It started It started when God, at the very least, it started when God told me to go get my license. Yeah. You, you know, two years ago. That's when the, and so God was working on getting that motorcycle into his hands at least two years ago because all of that was in the path. And I even said it when I bought the motorcycle. When I bought it, I said, this is a great motorcycle for this price. The Lord has put this money into my hands, and whether I keep it or give it away, it thrills me to have it. And I was planning on, I'll keep, basically it went like this inside of me, as, as if you, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give this away. I'll keep it. This is, I'll keep it if you tell me to. But I feel pretty certain you're going to tell me to give it away at some point. Now I didn't know who to. I didn't know when. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. But if you want me to give it and to sow it, so the process of now he he probably had in that last two year period of time a, a thinking and a logical desire for the thing that he had lack on, and he could have been in the dumps because he didn't have a motorcycle. You know, a little. I see pastor's pictures. I sure wish I had a motorcycle. Well, you're about to have the same one. You about it's about to be yours. You know, and um, and not only that, but you you know, it gave me enough time to impart into that thing. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I just had there was somebody that. Um, you know, there was somebody that we gave a car to, uh, and they came up to me over the weekend and said, Pastor, when people get in this car, they say, they tell me. They said, they said, this is the most peaceful car. Like, I feel the peace of God in this car. Uh-huh. I'm like, what a great testimony. <laughs> what a great testimony. So, and what Kevin and I were saying is, you could have been, you know, frustrated over lack, but not realizing you weren't at lack. God was working on it the whole time. And it's the same way in our fellowship and the same way in our relationship is that when we think we don't have wisdom, we already have wisdom in God. Let's look more to what we have, but we might not have comprehension of it yet, but that doesn't give us reason to drop our hands from praise. Just because we don't see it yet or we don't understand it yet. So, see, I have such a confidence in my fellowship with God that even if I have no idea how we're going to do this and it looks like this is not working, man, I've got no reason to drop my hands from praise in my in, at all because I know he's working on it, even when I'm not. Yeah. You know, And that's where you know I had the example is like if you have the fleshly world that you can see and the supernatural world that you can't see, and that if you had a curtain between the two, which is kind of what we have, 
Like, if you could draw back the curtain, you know, like Elisha, and, and let them see, Lord. Yeah. You would see God being God on your behalf, working on all these things, getting them ready for you all the time. And we'd go into fellowship like, I got no problems, God. I don't have to sit here and like, oh, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, yeah. oh, you're the, you're the greatest, but but I'm, I'm down. You know, yeah. we wouldn't have to do that. We wouldn't have to do that at all. Because we're like, no, nah, if we could draw back the curtain, God is being God. He is being an everlasting, loving God for you, to you, working on your behalf. He's got provision for you to give you a great future and a hope. He's got no plans for your calamity. That's what he's doing right now, and he's making those things come to pass. Yeah. And if we really had a revelation of that, then we would enter fellowship with him differently. Yeah. Right, And if we entered fellowship with him faithfully and differently in those ways, if we actually did enter that fellowship in those ways, then we would, we would hear what we need to hear when we need to hear it, and we'd be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And it'd be so easy and light. What's funny to me, and um, what's funny to me is... Your side of it as well of this process. So you had God gave you the motorcycle, and you had a sense of I'm probably going to give this away. <coughs> yeah, I had but, it in my heart the whole time. But you also rested in fellowship to the point that you were still able to enjoy the motorcycle. Yeah, like yeah. what I've done in the past is <laughs> it's been my been my desire to be a giver, and I, I don't want to possess anything that I can't give away. So there have been times where I've gotten something, and immediately, like, there'll be this religion of, like, you're probably not going to be able to keep that. You're yeah. probably not going to be able to enjoy that. And then I would have something that I really liked, and I, it would literally be, like, tainted because I'm like, <laughs> I probably need to give this away right now, and I yeah. just don't want to, and maybe I'm just holding on to it. And, like, this religious junk that yeah. would, in fellowship, I wouldn't trust God if he wanted to tell me, yes, you should give this away. I would, I would have this assumption of I'm probably disobeying by even having this right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, yeah. So even that side of it, of when to give stuff away or stuff like that, you you rested in it to the point that you enjoyed the motorcycle. You weren't yeah. just trying to figure out who to give it to or like, God, am I am I disobedient by having this right now? What if you told me yesterday to give it away? You know, yeah. that's where I've been with stuff. But see, I trust that fellowship and relationship. Even if I missed it yesterday, I enter into fellowship today and he'll he'll clear it up for me. I just have that confidence in that. Yeah. So I've got no worries about that stuff. I've got no no anxiety on, on that. <laughs> Kevin, I'm probably keeping it, by the way. <laughs> Don't say that too much. <laughs> he said probably. Absolutely. Probably, probably yeah. Probably was, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we, we set our heart to keep something. The Lord will be like, oh, really? <laughs> that's what's controlling you, eh? So anyway. Yeah, no, there's... there's uh, well, I, I had another little something that I gave away recently that somebody gave it to me. The person that gave it to me is very special uh, to me, this item. And the item is something that I like. Uh, but when, as soon as they handed it to me in fellowship, the Lord said, this is not yours. 
And like, yeah, you own it right now, but it's going straight through you. Yeah. It's going straight through you. I got it in your hands so that you could hold it for a second and then give it to somebody else. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, I had it for, uh, I had it uh, probably for six months, something like, yeah, I had it for about six months. But it just sat there. I couldn't even really get it out and utilize it. Like with the motorcycle, I was supposed to use it. There were things I was supposed to see and, and learn at, by using it. This item, uh, I was not supposed to use it. And I knew that in fellowship. And so I just didn't. I was, I'd see it there. I left it out to not forget about it. I knew the Lord was going to, and these are little things that you'll learn. In other words, like I never put this up in a place. I left it sitting out so I could see it every day. So I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me, but I didn't want to go set it on a shelf somewhere and forget about it. And um, like, I want to remind, I want to remind myself, like, this is for me to give. And I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me who and the time. And then I walk by it. I walked by it a few weeks ago, and the Lord said, give that to so-and-so. And I went, oh, glory to God, that's awesome, Lord. Yes, that is. And it's like, that's so right. And so I, I immediately picked it up and took it and gave it to that person. And they had, they had been believing for that, and it was special to them. It, yeah. was, it was right to them. And I was like, glory to God, I love that stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so that thing I wasn't supposed to use versus the motorcycle, I was supposed to use that. And the Lord told me both of those things, you yeah. know, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So. Well, that was just twisting things in a religious way of like, I'm supposed to keep enjoying nothing. No, 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 no. You're supposed to enjoy it. He gives you richly all things to enjoy, yeah. to enjoy. So, and pro- Kevin said probably is variable. <laughs> Buddy. Um, what, what was just coming to me was um, that it, it brings a whole new reliance on him. Yeah. Um, and a lot less on us. Yeah. Um, you know, he who began the good work, what, what's he'll the, bring it to completion. You yeah. Know, like what's the Proverbs? Him. What's your favorite verse? Uh, he, what? He who does. Proverbs 3, 5. Proverbs 3. Oh, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on a, your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Yeah. And what you just described was how we would not be trusting in him by leaning on our own logic and trying to figure it all out. And what we're doing is actually not trusting God at all. And we're not trusting him to be God to us, to be the the teacher, to be the comforter, to be the one who leads us, you know, to triumph, to, you know, out through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not trusting his leading. There's no confidence in his leading. It's like we have to logically figure it all out. I was thinking. <laughs> Which if we, if we think we have to logically figure everything out, how much trust are we putting in God to lead us? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a major <coughs> portion of his fellowship is leading. I will lead you beside the still waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he bears witness with our spirit, which is not a logical thing. It, our brain's really out of the question in that point. Like, that, yeah. that's, that's not how we so communicate. This goes along, of course, so well with Sunday's message on the flow of yeah, knowledge. So, yeah. The Lord's trying to get something yeah. to us. I was going to, um, <laughs> making myself laugh. I was going to ask, like, um, 
because I know some people get into, there are kind of two ways of thinking. Some people are like, um, no, you never have to spend like quality time just devoted on the Lord and nothing else because he's with you always. Just go through your life. He's with you always. And then there are other people like, you know, the whole joke of like, I prayed three hours, but I should have prayed five. Like it wasn't enough. You know, there's that whole balance. So I was going to ask you about that. And then I was like, maybe. Good question. But then as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, in this moment, me asking this question, am I asking because I'm putting reliance on a system? Then I was like, what if in fellowship, I'm like, maybe in fellowship, he'll show me when to go into that private time instead of just like trying he to will. have a yeah. system of this is how much personal private fellowship you should have. Instead, operating in a, okay, Lord, you want me to go away and spend time with you right now and operating in that trust of he'll show me how to do that, when to do that and everything. That's exactly it. I mean, when you're starting out and you don't know, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works that your thoughts might be established. But that's, you know, and that's a good verse. It stands, and it stands the test of time. But ultimately, it's kind of like I was committing my works, and that's why God came to me and said, what you're doing is good. I wish more people would do it, but let me show you a better way. And the better way is that we're not living by a rigid system. I've got to spend this many hours or else I stink, you know, um, but just be led by God. And uh, let the Lord, and I've found he will lead me into those times. Now, it's not that I don't schedule time to be yeah. with him and set aside time to be with him. I do. I set aside time to be with my family and to be with my wife. Uh, I set those times aside because I love them. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? I set those times aside. And because I love him, I set those aside as well. It's a part of my reverence. But if I miss one, or uh, he leads me to do more, then I do that, you know. Um, there's uh, Brother Hagen. I just told the story at Impact the other night, how they're at a birthday party, and God says, pray now. He doesn't even go out of the room. He's sitting at the birthday party table and starts praying and goes into a spiritual place with everybody sitting around him, having no idea what's going on. He just starts praying right there because the Holy Spirit led him in his fellowship. He, he led him into uh, a deeper fellowship right there. Yeah. And that's, see, see how easy that makes it? And that's why he was saying it's a flow. It's yeah. not rigid and, and wooden. It's a flow. So, and and that's, what I, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit more is ultimately... What you do, and I said, okay, Lord, but how do I know, how, like, how do I, I hear these things from you, but where's the flow at? And, and here's what he showed me and taught me. He said, you take the words that I've given you, and you start heading in that direction, and then when you need to change direction, I will tell you. If you need to do something different, I will tell you. All right, now watch this because here's where maturity comes in. Because if you are not mature on these things, you can get this jacked up, right? And this is what he was showing me. This is the better way. So if he tells me to, um, for example, he tells us to start boomerang. Okay, start boomerang. Where? Albemarle, right? Uh, our focus, for example, our focus at the beginning was... Uh, Stanley County, 
But when I was in fellowship with him the week before we started, he said, Boomerang will be a new direction for Albemarle. Mm -hmm. He didn't say Stanley County. He said Albemarle, right? Okay, then God doesn't, you know, God doesn't play around with words. And so we literally changed our thought processes and started focusing on the city and not just on the county. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we just and we kept on going in that direction for basically eight years until he moved us into this building. And right before he moved us into this building, we we could tell in year six and seven, he said, "You need new vision, right?" And so we were just flowing with that original word. And then year six or seven, he started talking to me about new vision. And I started praying in the spirit and praying in the spirit. That actually took me longer to come up with than what I expected. I expected I was going to be sitting there in prayer one day and him be like, and give me the lines of the new vision, you know. But I had to, each part, it was interesting, each part took me like months to pray out. Each part, the vision that we have, it's not a light thing. He gave me each part over a series of about a year, year and a half of that new vision. And then in year eight, we launched with that new vision. You know, Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer. And today we've added one part to it that he made important. Living in his glory and abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. It's not a super complicated, it's not super complicated, um, but... It man, it, it actually you want a vision to be simple so people can run with it. But he, in other words, he changed the vision from just a new direction to Albemarle to Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer, living in His glory and abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. And the whole focus of the ministry went from a city to a region, to a region. And then on, you know, and so once he did that, all we did, we were headed in this direction and we just followed the flow. So we were never supposed to change direction until in our fellowship, he changed it. And then he changed it to that new area and the new vision. And then, but then notice he didn't change away from Albemarle, like the the body, the local body was still Albemarle. Until last year, he spoke to me, and he said, in 2022, I want you to establish, you know, Boomerang Troy, right? So now we've got going after Albemarle, the city first. Then you had a new vision and the region. Then you have, then you have it not, not necessarily splitting, but the vision is larger and bigger and more than one campus, Right. And so you start seeing that he, and there was a flow of it. Mm-hmm. And it's right on his time. Like, it's just right, perfect, perfect time. Like, looking back, it seemed like it took so long to get there. But looking back, you know, in the moment, it seemed like it's taking forever. You know, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's taking forever. And that's how we feel so many times. But now today, looking back at it, it's like, oh, man, the timing of each one of those things. Perfect perfect because God knew what he was doing and he's the builder of the house. You see, so now, and what I did, I wasn't like in a rigid thing and and a wooden step-by-step. We just flowed, right? 
Now, here's, here's where maturity comes in because if you take the word and you flow in that direction, but you are not in fellowship and you are a hardened heart and don't have your ears open to them, or you have bias, you need to change direction, but you miss it and you go past that point. And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to miss that point. And so what you focus on is not your logic trying to get the timing right and what's coming up and all of this stuff. You don't have to do that. What you want to do is simply stay in fellowship, always be making sure that your heart is not hardened so that I can keep in my ears open to the Lord, tender, open. And if, Lord, if you tell me something, I know it's always going to be opportunity to increase. So I'm not afraid of hearing the thing that my flesh doesn't want to hear, that my flesh is not happy about. I'm not afraid of that. My heart is is tender. It's what the Bible says, not a heart of corrupted flesh, but not a hardened heart. It's a fleshly, a, a tenderized heart to receive the seed of your word. So if I've got a hardened heart, like I'm going down and I'm flowing in his leading, but I, you know, you know, let's say, like for instance, Troy. Uh, Troy's a smaller town than Albemarle. Some would say that it's more uh, oppressed, right? And what if I had it in my heart? I don't want to go to a smaller town. I, I'm going. I want to go to a bigger town. You know, like Lord, I want you to give us a bigger, bigger population to pull from. Come, come on, come on, come on. You know, there's not a ton of people planting churches in Troy. That's exactly why He's telling us to. You see, and, but if I had a hardened heart and I had a bias towards going to a town with less people, then when when I, I'm flowing and I get to the point where he says plant one in Troy, I might miss that. Now, that's certainly, that's not the Lord. So all I have to do is make sure that I'm in fellowship, my heart is right, my and my ears are open, I'm not biased, yeah. right? A hardened heart and open ears to hear from the Lord they go hand in hand, the same yeah. thing, right? And uh, so hardened heart means God's speaking a word to your heart and it can't get in there because you you got a, you got something over top of it. So he can't get the seed of the word into your heart. And uh, so I want to keep my ears open, my heart tender towards him, and I want to make sure that I'm unbiased and stay in that fellowship. If I don't do those things, I can miss what he's saying. And God will have mercy and he'll help you and he'll, you know, he'll wake up your leader in the middle of the night and tell him to tell you something, and you'll be embarrassed. But it, praise God, he's merciful, right? But it'd be better if we learned to flow with that just by keeping ourselves in the right place. So some people would look at that and say, oh, my gosh, I can, I can miss it then. Yeah, you could, or you could just be a good Christian and do what you're supposed to do anyway, and you'll be in the right place and not miss it. Yeah. That's, a better, that's a better thing. I have a question. Yeah. Ask. <laughs> Are you shocked? No. Um, so an area where that would that stopping or that wooden uh, progression has been interesting for me has often been work or like teams, like things that I'm on. So how if you could just kind of simplify this for me and how this works okay. is there have been a lot of times where I'm in a project or doing something where solutions are needed. And it's been, it's kind of felt like there have been these two ditches. One of them is let's not do anything until we have 
words from the Lord very strongly and clearly. Yeah. Or then it's like, then the other ditch is like getting off into logic on yeah. this progression that, you know, you go down this long trail and it seems like none of that was ever from the Lord. How yeah. do you balance, what is the key of, of not doing either of those things? Well, the first thing and the, and the strongest thing is start with a confidence in the fellowship and a flow in your leading today so that when you get to that place in a month, in a year, you're already in the flow. Okay, so don't make excuses for it because you don't understand it. Jump into fellowship today. Yeah. Stay in fellowship. Keep your heart unhardened, your ears open, and, and keep unbiased today. That way, when you get to future places, uh, you're, you're there. So you're operating in it. You know how to do it. But if you're not quite there yet and you're not operating in that way, you, you have to trust that the Lord is giving you a leading. He's showing you something. You might not be attaining it well. You might not be hearing Kind of like this, the Lord's always broadcasting. I mean, if we got an FM radio out right now, right in this room, you can't hear what's being broadcast, but if you got an FM radio out and you tuned it in and turned it on, you'd hear a radio broadcast, mm -hmm. right? There's always a broadcast there. It's just we haven't received it well. So when you're in that, there's always wisdom for you. Isn't there a promise of provision from the Lord? Well, wisdom is a part of that provision. And if we ask him for it, he made a promise to deliver it to us as long as, as, long as we weren't double-minded about it. So if you ask him for wisdom and then you go ahead and make the decision anyway, you know, on your own out of your logic, you don't trust that he'll get it to you. That's you. But if you ask him for wisdom and ask him to open up your eyes of understanding like Ephesians 1 so that you can hear those things and see those things, then um, you are a prime candidate to receive that wisdom and hear from him. And in those moments, I find it's very good when you're learning that uh, to, to call your pastor, to call, uh, get in touch with your life group leader, get in touch with your pastor and start asking questions. Here's the, here's the situation that I'm in. Here's what, here's what's going on. And a proper, a good, mature spiritual leader will actually try to diagnose what's going on in your heart. What is it you're actually hearing, but you don't realize it's God, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're <clears throat> hearing right now, but you just don't know that it's God, or what is it that you have a hardened heart to that you're not hearing because of that hardened heart? And a leader will help you diagnose that so that you can, you know, see those pieces. So when y'all y'all have come and asked before, and I'll start talking to you, asking you questions, we'll either land upon a bias or a hardened heart or a lack of fellowship, and then when we solve those things, all of a sudden you're able to hear from God again. Or, on the other hand, you're hearing from the Lord, but your logic is questioning. And I'll and I'll lead you. Where where's the peace in your heart? You might not have you don't have peace in your mind right now because you got your flesh side and your spirit side battling, right? But in your heart, there's a peace. You know, there's a peace there. What is yeah. that? And so a good spiritual leader helps lead you to those pieces. And and what I found in my case is once you get used to the flow of this leading this better way of leading and the flow of it, I'll just stop, get into Christ, 
you know, go, go to my office, go to the bathroom, start praying in the Holy Ghost. And that answer's there. It's waiting on me. Yeah. You see, I just needed to abide in him and stop being in my logic for a little bit. Uh, but then there is a place where, you know, you don't have to answer people all the time. They don't need an answer. And sometimes y'all have seen me do that. And, and you'll say, hey, pastor, we need to get this person an answer. And I'll, I'll say, no, we don't. No, we don't. They want an answer. Their logic's demanding an answer because their logic has put a time frame on it. God's not said to go yet. I'm not answering them. And y'all are like, eee, like, ah, I don't know what to do with that. That, that. that frustrates my logic. Like, he's telling them no, conflict, conflict, you know. And I, but the issue is they don't know the confidence in the fellowship. That's why they're asking. That's why they're pressuring. I'm not going to be pressured by your flesh, you know, in that way. So it gives me a confidence to operate in that way, not being rude, just not, not giving you the wrong answer at the wrong time, you know. And uh, that's, that's some of those things. I, I, one time I was dealing with a minister, and I'd learned this for a while, and I was dealing with a minister, and they, they said, you need to give us an answer. Now, I did need to communicate to them that I'd heard them and I was going to be getting back to them. And so, you know, I, I sought to do that. I, I got your message, and I, and I got your message. In this instant, I didn't know that then. I didn't tell them that. And what they were frustrated as, I didn't communicate with them at all. Well, that's wrong. I need to let them know, I got your message. I'm praying about it. As soon as I know something, I'll let you know, right? I had not done that, so they were frustrated on two things. But then when I said that, they were like, this is not acceptable. You need to tell me an answer now. And I was like, no, I do not. Like, I am not telling you an answer that I do not know. And because I would be speaking out of pride to answer you right now if I've not heard it from the Lord. And I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to set my word on something that I don't know is God. So just chill out. You know, you're a minister. You should know these things, right? And um, so what was also funny was that was on a Sunday morning that they communicated before church. I'm like, of all the times you should know not to bring in a logical flesh response, it's today. You should know this, you know. And uh, like, I don't need any extra weight coming from your logic over that. But uh, so it was really a frustrating moment. But uh, it's one of those things where you'll have people all the time that try to press you into answers, and you're not supposed to answer. Now, don't be belligerent about it, and don't get into pride over that, you know, but do understand that just because somebody asks you something doesn't mean you have to answer them. So, slow to speak, quick to hear, right? Slow to speak, quick to hear. And so be quick to hear the voice of God, but be slow to speak, and don't just, don't just feel like you have to answer somebody. I watch people all the time. They put they put so much pressure on people. Well, you need to respond. You need to tell me this. Like, no, I don't. That's you. That's your flesh that you haven't crucified. And, and just because you hadn't done it doesn't mean I'm, I'm responding and living by your flesh. Sorry. I'm, I'm completely okay with saying that. Most people aren't. But part of what makes me okay to say that is I have a confidence in my fellowship. Have a confidence in my fellowship. You know, going back to the time that we spend with God, it's really a balance of the two. We need to give God his own personal time that's not given to anything else. 
but we also need to carry him 24-7 with us everywhere we go. You'll find if you spend enough time with me, uh, I wouldn't say that it's, it's an absolute all the time, but you'll find that if I'm not in conversations and I'm in transition from like one conversation to the next, I'm, what am I doing a lot of the time? Praying how? Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit. You know, I'm letting the flow of the Holy Spirit come and flow through me all the time. I'm keeping that, yeah. that heart of prayer. What is that? That's praying without ceasing that we're commanded to do in Thessalonians. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm praying without ceasing. And that's what, and it kind of comes out of you if you're filled up with the Holy Ghost. It comes out of you. It says being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying and singing in the Spirit, yeah. right? And so with a melody in your heart, those, yeah. it overflows you. When you're filled with the Spirit, those things will start to overflow you, and it'll be, let it become a habit. You know. Now, when I first started, I wasn't doing that, and I literally, I set my watch for every 30 minutes, basically. Uh, to I set my watch for every 30 minutes to remind me to pray because I wasn't in the habit of it yet. Yeah. But then it got to the place where I was praying before my watch went went off. Yeah. when the Before the alarm went off, I was already praying, and I started to develop a habit. I kept on doing it for another month or two, and then I didn't have to set my watch anymore. I was praying. So. Now, uh, I wanted to ask another question on what we're talking about with work, and the, the reason why, it, I mean, work doesn't necessarily seem like the most spiritual thing, but it is something that takes a lot of our time, and it takes a lot of yeah, uh, it, it, it's something that I've noticed for myself can bring me into logic and stress if I'm not disciplined in my fellowship. It can kind of, it's something that in the past has kind of taken me out of that because I've gotten so much in my head with work because it has seemed logical. So when you have a moment where you need to produce something, like you're needing answers, and there is a deadline, there's a, there's a legitimate deadline, and you don't have a... It doesn't look like you have like a strong leading on anything. Like, I, like what I'll do is kind of like, I'll I, I don't know that because it almost seems like you have to like, un, like last minute go by logic in a way of like, is this logic or not? I don't know, but I need to produce something right now. Like, what do you do in those moments to to not accidentally go in logic, but you can't be to the point where you're like. Well, I don't have a sign, so I can't do anything. Do you well, know what I, I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm about to jump all over every <laughs> sacred religious cow. All right, so first of all, let's just look at the word deadline. What does that mean? That word means if I cross that line, I die. So that's a bad word to use. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Beyond this line is death. Like, it, like on a plane... They have, they have, when you're taking off, if you, if you don't take off by this, you're going, you don't have enough room to make it, right? So it's like a, what would be called like a deadline. But I, I would say in a church and in a Christian's life, they probably shouldn't use that terminology. Yeah, I don't think I'm using that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, so. And see, now, but think about that. That adds pressure because even by using that word, you're constantly confessing, yeah. I've got to have it all solved by this line or this date. I've got to have it all solved by here or death starts to happen. Lack starts to happen, death in my abundance, death in my finances, death in my peace, right? So we're literally prophesying, 
We're, we're literally prophesying death beyond this point. Well, have you ever missed a, a deadline? Yeah, so you'd be prophesying death to yourself if you miss it. Well, that, that, that's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure and doesn't sound like a flow to me or peace or easy and light. <laughs> Caleb said, yeah, I think I'll say due date for now. There on. you go. That's much better. <laughs> Amen. Same. So you see the, the thinking of the world has entered into, in other words, death, even the word itself. And that's why when people say I can't do anything or it's too much, because what they're saying is, if I go beyond this limit, I, I'm going to implode. I'm going to explode, right? You're, you're prophesying your own meltdown, yeah. right? So I don't say those words. I don't say I can't. I don't say it's too much. I don't say it's too hard. And I try to never say that because I'm not going to. See, believers have adopted a corrupted world's thinking and terminology and confessions that should not be there, yeah. that should not be there. And that's one of those things that we have to watch that stuff and don't just take it because everybody else says it. Change change culture. See, change the culture. Don't let the culture change you. That's you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conform means you're pressed into the mold of the world. That's what that means. No, I'm not pressed into the mold of the world. I'm not pressed like a brick into its mold and I look like the world. No, I'm shaped and I'm a, his workmanship. I am his masterpiece transformed by, by the chipping away of the flesh of God and become a beautiful masterpiece, not just another brick in the wall. So don't be conformed, but be transformed, right? And so then one of the things that you'll see is that when you, so first of all, changing the word deadline, but then you have to, you have to think, is it actually a, a you know, drop dead point? Is it actually a, an absolute? Is it an absolute? I have due dates, but what if I don't hit that due date? What if I don't stay with color within the lines? What if I don't remain in this box that the world or myself, my mind has created for me? Um, you know, what if I'm in, I'm helpless and a sinner and an enemy of God, right? Romans 5, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. What if I miss it? Is there still hope or is all hope lost? See, we're dealing with, it's a lot deeper than that, you know. So what if, is there more hope left even if you miss it? Yeah. Is there? Sure. Are you convinced? You're making a lot of eye contact with me right now. Like. I would say maybe it's, maybe you should say uh, the Spirit's leading you to have eye contact right now. Because <laughs> I can feel his anointing. It's, we're, not, we're not just dealing with Brian. It's his anointing. Is, his anointing is dealing with some things, right? All right, so think about this. Uh, is all hope lost? So, you know, y'all know the story. You've heard it before where I had like, I think it was 1000 or $2,000 that was due as an automatic payment. This is some years ago, and the banking was a little bit different than it is today. And uh, definitely our finances were different. 
it was like a thousand or two thousand dollars that was due on a Friday, and uh, I was praying and in my logic, and I have this revelation by then, but I wasn't flowing in the peace of it as much as I should. I wasn't flowing in it, and uh, I'm praying to the Lord, and I'm in my logic trying to figure out this deadline, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to figure it out, and I said, I said, Lord, I said, like. If I don't have this money by Friday, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Kevin's out there. I hear him blowing the horn. Uh, I said, Lord, if I don't have this money in the bank by Friday, I'm in trouble. And the Holy Ghost goes, are you? And I was like, well, I thought it was till you asked me that question. <laughs> I thought I was really in trouble. He said, are you in trouble? He said, so you're telling me that faith has an expiration date, basically. In other words, faith has a deadline. I'm like, I know you're going somewhere. I can't see everywhere that you're going, but I'm sure there's a great point to this right now. I just feel bad for missing it. And uh, but please, by all means, carry on. And uh, <laughs> you know, like, and and so here in this moment, he goes. He says, and this is when, around the time where he was saying he had spoke to me, when does faith run? He says, so you're going to drop faith. So a calendar date tells you when to drop faith? No. <laughs> no. But a calendar. He said, do you not think even if, even if the quote-unquote deadline was missed on Friday, he said, does that not, not mean that on Monday, because what was going to happen was if I didn't pay this bill, then it was going to bounce. And if that bounced, it was going to cause like an avalanche, you know, like a snowball of bills to bounce, which yeah. would be like charge, yeah. charge, charge, charge. And um, this is when we didn't have, we didn't have a regular salary. It was, you know, when I had my own business and, you know, the customers, they don't, they didn't pay the due date like. You pay a due date. Um, it, it's really funny. Just know this, by the way, that um, they want you to pay on the due date and they penalize you, but most of those companies don't pay their bills on the due date. They pay when they want to. And because they're giving so much money to their vendors, their vendor doesn't want to fight them over it. They just want to keep the customer. Well, most companies, they don't pay really on the due date. You know, some people, And the reason I say that is, Stop trying to put everything in a box and feeling like you have to be perfect on anything. There's some people, like Nicole had this. When we first got married, I mean, I grew up in a family that always struggled financially when I was younger. Like, I, we always, there was only one period where we didn't struggle. So we paid our bills late all the time. Like, I was used to seeing that. Like, I was used to seeing bills being paid not on time. And, uh, and I knew, I knew the companies are fine with that. Just pay the, you know, your credit rating may suffer from that some, but overall in the big scheme of things, you're not going to lose life because you, you went past. But Nicole was not raised that way. She was raised that if you don't pay your bills on time, you are a devil. Like it is bad. And when, so when we got married and we didn't have any money and we started paying the bills late, I knew it was okay. It needed to be fixed. And we needed to correct it, but I knew it was okay. I didn't even think anything of it because I had grown up with that. But she had she had a fit over it. She literally worried about I didn't even know this was happening until she started having stomach problems 
and she was wor- so worried over not paying those bills on time, she started developing ulcers and everything else. And it's a place where she had to learn faith because if she didn't learn faith, her body was eating itself out at, from the inside out from worry and anxiety. Like it was starting to destroy itself from worry and anxiety. And um, so understand the devil likes playing that game. He likes getting people in legalism where they'll be worried about that stuff and they'll constantly be, they will constantly be worrying about things. So don't don't be so rigid on that in those ways. If you color out the lines, God's merciful. You know, when he says, when he says in Romans uh, 5, he says, we were helpless, we were sinners, and we were enemies. That's when he died for us. That's when he sent his son and died for us, when we had it all messed up. So if you miss it, just repent and return quickly. That's the biggest key. Do it quickly. Don't let it linger, but repent and return quickly. But also, he says, look, if you need help, he says, you can come boldly before the throne in Hebrews 4 to find help at the throne of grace in time of need. Well, time of need is when we've missed it, when we've missed it, when we've colored outside of the lines. So you don't plan to color outside of the lines and just miss things on purpose. But if you find yourself in that place, know that there's a mercy and a help of God. So if you're working on your work and you're working on this fellowship, you're actively heading towards God. You're actively heading towards God, but you find that, God, I I miss this or I don't know what to do. The first thing you need to do is not beat yourself up, but but turn to the Lord and say, help me, help show me, and know that he's going to give you that help. That's the very first thing. And so anyway, the Lord said, if uh, he said, if I didn't pay that going back to the money I needed by Friday, he said, are you telling me that on Friday you're supposed to drop your faith and, and you just failed? And I went, and see, what I realized was I let the world tell me when faith should be done, when I should drop faith. And I realized I was allowing all of these quote unquote deadlines to push me around and pressure me in that. And I went, wait a minute. He said, are you telling me that on Monday I couldn't give you the money that you needed and all of the money that you might've lost in fees? And I realized right then, I don't even have to worry about this. You know, (laughs) I don't even have to worry. And you know, think about how much worry did you have over that money that you owed a few months ago? You know, how much did the devil try to attack you with worry and anxiety over and, and think about this, every ounce of worry and anxiety that you had over that was completely useless because God delivered you from every bit of it. So it was wasted anxiety, wasted worry that all it did was hinder you and hurt you, right? God can, God can you know, give us those things. We don't have to put you know, all these deadlines on, on them. We can, we can trust the Lord beyond that. So learn to trust the Lord, reach out to uh, a spiritual leader that knows what they're doing to help you see those things and understand those things and relax, relax, get in him and rest in him. He knows how to do that. And he's got an answer waiting on you when you need it. And uh, so after I got that on that, you know, I said, Lord, you're right. Like, you know what? I, almost at that moment, I'm the kind of person where almost at that at that moment, I almost was like, let it let it fail. I want to see you move like this. Like like forget you devil. Like I want I want to like I don't care. I don't care what happens. 
I want, I trust you, God, more than I trust that deadline. I trust you more than I trust money. I trust you more than, like, you're so big, this is nothing to you, right? And when I got to that place in my heart in that prayer time, um, all of a sudden, uh, the Lord said, it went to, like, I think it was on Thursday. So Friday's the next day. Multiple times after that prayer, I felt the pressure of that deadline try to come up again, right? I felt it try to come up, try to come up. I'd just say, thank you, Lord. This is handled. Praise God. On Thursday, the Lord says, call this person and ask this question. When I called that person and asked this question, I, he told me what to do. I kept my ears open to him. I kept my fellowship open. He told me what to do. It settled everything, and everything was in place. Like, And that was it. And he handled it all with one phone call, right? And that was what he wanted me to do. It was beautiful. It was one of the one of the most beautiful things. But I had to learn to trust him beyond what my flesh wanted to, beyond the deadlines, beyond all of that pressure. Stop looking at the pressure and stop start looking to him. You know, like stop looking at the wind and the waves and look at set your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking at the meal that needs to be prepared and sit at his feet. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do your work. It just means that you do your work differently from the place of his presence and not from the place of pressure. We do work from his presence, not from pressure. See? and that. But think about it, though. Truthfully, where do most people work from? Pressure yeah. and toil. They're toiling over their work. That's not God's plan. His, his plan is a flow in his spirit from his presence. And so as we stay in fellowship with him and we carry that, and when the work, you know, when the work comes up, oh, you got to have this done by this date, you got to have this done by this date, at that moment we got to say, praise God, the Lord knows that date, and in his fellowship he's going to show me what to do and how to do it, and it's going to be awesome. See? And we start praising him. We start worshiping him. All of a sudden, that changes the atmosphere and and the manifestation of his presence. And now his presence can go to work with us instead of us stiff-arming his presence but with worry and anxiety. See, when we get in all the details and the deadlines and the worry and anxiety, God doesn't exist there. And so we're not inviting him to help us. We're actually pushing him out of it by operating from that place. But when we learn to relax and not have to figure everything out, not have to know it all, Lord, I'd stay in your presence. We actually operate in peace. Now we have a right to supernatural wisdom, right? And supernatural help, and we draw God in. And then when we work, it's just like we're working like Superman, you know? that's That's the way it happens. I just looked at the time. I had no idea it was that yeah. late. I had no idea. I it just everything just flew by. But um, I'm not prolonging. This isn't a question. I just wanted to say I realized that um, the other day there was something where I had missed it, and because I had made a mistake, and it was something that basically I should have caught it. I should have caught that I was getting off with something, and I didn't. And instead, my re- my response to that was, let me try harder. Let yeah. me, like, make sure I don't miss it like that again. Because obviously yeah. in the natural, like, there were, or even spiritually, there were repercussions to me yeah. having missed it. So my response was, 
don't want that to happen again. Don't want to miss it. So let me get in myself. Yeah. Let me get in my works instead of getting more in him, instead of yeah. getting more in his fellowship to, to, to hear those things more. I got more into my works. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they're designed to do. The wind and the waves are designed to take your eyes off of Jesus. That's what they're designed to do. No, this has been good. I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's, amen. It's important to pick up these keys and yeah. some of these things. Yeah, it changes everything in our fellowship. So there's a better way of being led and a better way of the flow and trusting and having confidence in that fellowship. And as we do that, man, it just simplifies things. It just makes things work. Yeah. Let's think about this. If you don't have a confidence in this fellowship, are you actually living and abiding in him? You know, no, we're not. We're not abiding in him because yeah. faith is what abides in him. So if I don't have a confidence in his fellowship, then how many things am I not relying on him in? Yeah. In other words, who is my savior in those instances? Who's And then who am I allowing? If he's not my savior and I don't see him as the source, then I'm not taking my commands from him. Something else is the Lord in that area, right? In that area, I'm allowing something else to tell me what to do. So he's not. So, and, and that's why it's important to allow Jesus to be Lord in every area. And if I'm living by pressure, then pressure is telling me what to do. Deadlines are telling me what to do. Uh, my, the, what I need to get done is telling me what to do not Jesus, and that, and in that area, I'm not saying he's not your Lord, but I'm saying in that area, we're not allowing him to be who he could be. Yeah. And we, so there's so much more potential. Yeah. So just having confidence in that fellowship, it changes the manifestation of these things. So, amen. amen. Glory to God. Well, I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And so, Father, right now, I just pray Lord, let us live in the flow of your fellowship, the flow of your fellowship, and let us be led in this better way. Let, us, let our walk with you not be so rigid and wooden, but Lord, let it be a flow of the oil of your Holy Spirit, spirit-led prayer, spirit-led word, spirit-led worship, we thank you for it, we praise you for it, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for connection with you that we can live by these things and not be moved by the corrupted world and pressure and deadlines, but moved by you. And we can hear from you. We'll know what to do. And you can say, we'll know. Yes, I agree. Amen. Yeah. We'll know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and it'll all be through your fellowship, through intimate fellowship with yeah. you that Jesus opened the door to. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. And we give you our worship. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory yeah. to God. Well, we just love you so very much. Thank you for hanging out. We went definitely beyond our normal time. And uh, I didn't realize how late, late it was either. I, I just knew the Lord was direct in the conversation. One thing I've learned a long time ago is if the anointing's flowing, don't stop.
You know, don't cut it off just because of a deadline. <laughs> don't cut off the anointing. Let the anointing, the anointing's there for a reason, and it wouldn't be there if God wasn't releasing it. And if he's releasing it, he's releasing it for a reason. And so everybody else may have needed to drop off today, but maybe that one person needed to hear one sentence that we said at the end. You know, maybe they needed to hear one point. Well, praise God, that anointing is there for them. Everybody else, it might not be there for, but it's there for them. And that's what our our ministry is to minister or to serve by the flow of the anointing, not the flow of a clock. We're not called, (laughs) well, and that may be all it was. I I think it's more than that, but that's why I'm saying many people, they're so set by the clock and so led by the clock and so led by the calendar that they can't flow with God. And that's why why the Lord, you know, will have us start start a service, but not stop it until he says, okay, stop, you know. Because there may be one person that gets one thing that changes everything in their life, and that's what we need. And so we need to be the kind of people that recognize, even if I'm not getting something out of it, let me still be praying in the Holy Spirit so that the anointing can flow to the one person who needs it. Generally, it's not just one, but even if it was, God would do it. And so this is how about we get to the place of maturity that even if we've heard this before, we realize there's more stuff in there yeah. than what I even know, what I think I know. And even if I did know it all, maybe it's just for that one person. Lord, bless them. Let that anointing flow as long as it needs to till that person gets that revelation that they need. Start praying out the will of God by praying in the Spirit. This is a mature place that we need to be not only on the broadcast, but also in our churches as well. We love you so much. If you would like to sow today, you know what to do. You can go to giveww.org, and uh, you can give by all the different ways, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, uh, cryptocurrency, NFTs, give one time or give on a regular basis and partner with us to get get these uh, points of God out to help people live Uh, at a different level to get the good news of Jesus out to them. And uh, man, it is good news. It is such good news. And we're tasked to get that out. That's our job. You may have a different job. This is our job is to get this out uh, to the world. And the Lord will put it on many people's heart. I want you to partner. I want you to help get that good news out. If he's telling you that today, make sure that you're obedient to him If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. We love you so very much. We want to pray over that and uh, release the grace of God that's on the ministry into your life, your family, your home, your business, your work, everything that you do. So, Father, right now, anybody who's giving, let it be blessed. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you for it, and we give you the glory. Lord, let a supernatural supply happen supernaturally quickly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. And here's Hannah to wrap it up. So much for joining us. If you haven't already, like the broadcast, share it, and subscribe to our channel. It's an honor to share the good news with you. And if you want, we have plenty of videos, plenty of meaty words for you to enjoy. So uh, feast on the word, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow at 1130.